Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When Diplomacy Fails presents... Hello and welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. Hey guys, welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. Welcome to When Diplomacy Fails. Hello and welcome to Hello when Diplomacy and welcome fails. to When Diplomacy Fails. A project five years in the making. The Franco-Prussian War. The Seven Years War. Of the When Diplomacy Fails special on Napoleon. The Crimean War. To When Diplomacy Fails special on World War One. Dutch Revolt. To the When Diplomacy Fails special on the Thirty Years War. The July Crisis Anniversary Project. The Swedish Deluge. Britain goes to war. The 1916. To the Franco-Dutch War of 1672. This is When Diplomacy Fails. Remastered. So, sandwiched between the remastered Napoleonic episodes is this remastered talk episode, which essentially, as you might have noticed, is a lot smaller than the original. The reason for that is, well, let's put it this way, what Sean had to say was very, very interesting, but what I had to say came at the end of a very long day, I still remember it, trying to fo- not only trying to follow Sean, but also trying to regurgitate what I remembered after a very long day. We were in Cahors at the time, we were in caravan in Wexford and we sat down it was a nice warm day we'd had a long day of activities which is unusual in itself for me but we were both tired he'd done his spiel and it was my turn to do mine and partly because of the way this special went originally with the one small episode and then this talk episode and then the two hour long horrendous marathon of an episode I felt a lot of pressure to cram a lot of things in for this talk episode, and that's why I kind of forced it on. I think I even might have gotten a migraine afterwards, if I recall correctly. It was that tough to kind of, like, really soldier on through it. So rather than subject you to that, and I thought I might as well, you know, just get rid of it, because the remastered eight-parter really does a far better job than I did originally. So in line with that, I thought I'd just let Sean have his time in the sun, which is what he deserves. His story about his ancestor is fascinating. So, if you've never heard this story before, have a listen in. And, yes, listen to what he says. If you have not done so, research your family history, because just like Sean, you never know what you might find. Alrighty, enjoy the episode, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Back on the podcast, my guest as always is Sean. Say hello, Sean. Hello, thank you very much for having me again. 
No problem at all. It's always a pleasure. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, we have a we have a good bit to get through today. Um, mm-hmm. Some really really interesting stuff that uh, very QI. Yeah, <laughs> that I'm sure like anyone with even a remote interest in Irish history will be really really like really really excited to learn about. We'll start with the Irish Rebellion thing then, because that's that's what I want okay. to. Yeah. I want to do that first. So okay. let's set a, set a bit of background first, um, before we get into uh, before we get into all the interesting side notes. Um, the Irish the Irish Rebellion was basically uh, a movement by the United Irish Men to set to set off a chain a few a few uh, revolutions around the country. The plan was to march on Dublin. But uh, I'm not going to pretend that I know the names of the key battles, even though I really probably should. But um, they they marched on Dublin, but were defeated in a series of battles. The plan, though, the original plan, was that they would be reinforced by the French, who were supposed to invade at some stage. And they actually did. They actually did in some places, but in the place that they were meant to land, I think it was off the west coast, there was meant to be the main concentration. They had something like 15,000 troops. But remember at this time that the French were very amateurish um sailors and stuff and if you can especially in comparison to britain who had by far the more skill in in terms of seafaring and as well as that pretty much everyone at the top of the french navy had been replaced because of the revolution so they they brought in a lot of noobs to take their places (laughs) gotta love the noobs yeah they don't know what they're doing but they do it well yeah uh, they brought in so many noobs and these noobs didn't really have a have a real handle on the situation, but Napoleon Napoleon wanted to support Napoleon wanted de- to destabilize uh, Britain wherever possible. So Ireland was a pretty vulnerable aspect of Britain. Um, so that's where he decided was, to strike. Uh, Vinegar Hill in this rebellion. Yes, that's the battle. That's one of the key battles that I'm thinking of. Vinegar Hill. Now I don't remember exactly where it was. Yeah. Um, but Vinegar Hill is a uh, is a key battle in this that the um English. One. Uh, I remember seeing pictures of cannons and rifles, and so I yeah. assumed it was in the right sort of era. Oh yeah, no, it is. <laughs> yeah, no, that is. That's that's actually the battle I was. I was just looking at that the other day, and I completely forgot about it. So thanks. Mm. Vinegar what, Hill. What was... was that? Was that that wasn't like flight of the arrows? That wasn't two Irish armies marching to meet up with each other and getting intercepted. What was that? Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that it was just... I'm not sure if it was interception. I think it was just a pitched battle, as far as I know. Yeah. With but, us with the high ground, and of course we couldn't do it anyway. Well, yeah, well, we weren't even supposed to... Um, we weren't even supposed to engage. The plan was to be supported by the French, but the French weren't able to get nearly as much men as they were supposed to get in. Yeah. Um, what, uh, something to be that, honest, most of the Irish rebellions just blend into this one big catastrophe of battle. <laughs> like you could literally sum it up all in one go. With we, we got intercepted and we weren't supposed to fight, and we were supposed to have allies, and we all died. Yeah, which would be the same in every single rebellion. So yeah, I mean, well, uh, as well, like uh, a little known fact is that in Connacht in seventeen ninety eight, I don't know the exact date, but um, a small amount of French troops did land. And they were able to achieve a, num- a number of successes, and eventually established the Republic of Connacht in the west of Ireland. Which it's didn't a shame it's the worst. Can- yeah, uh, province, shame so. they chose the worst province to do it in. But yeah. it, um, no offense, people in Connacht. Yeah, no, we <laughs> love you guys. The West is amazing. You have great nightlife, but jeez, yeah, historically, yeah. Um, no, it, it was <laughs> it wasn't the best place to be. The um, options were to hell or to Connacht. So, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, come on, kind of says it all, really. Yeah. Um, but they did set up the Republic of Connacht, and a few, a few uh, successful skirmishes. Actually, one of the key victories was in Castlebar. Pretty big embarrassment for the British, actually, because 
I think his name Joseph Joseph Holt is the name a Wicklow guy actually, which which makes it even more interesting for makes way more sense as well. Yeah, <laughs> Wicklow men. While um while Joseph Holt was pretty much um he was a small he was a small time kind of guy, but he did have control of about. He was just a small time guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, I know. What I does mean, that even mean? I don't know. He's a small time. Well, like guy. He, he wasn't like he wasn't not that important. <laughs> I'm just a rebel, you know. No. Um, what did he, time. Like I mean, in that I mean, it's not like he's Theobald Wolftone or anything. Like oh, his name okay. isn't really. Yeah, it's like, not branded on Irish re- rebel patriots. Yeah, but like he was very important, and um, after he That's after really interesting. Yeah, well, after the defeat at Vinegar Hill, he and a few other of his men, about two or three hundred of them, retreated into the Wicklow Mountains. Um, ah, and they they held out there for like the remainder of the rebellion. But while this was happening, then just to set it in context, while that was all happening back in over in Connacht, they were setting up the Republic of Connacht because because of the history going back to the Pale and stuff. The concentration of British troops were strongest in the area around Leinster, so it would have taken them longer, and there wouldn't have been as many British soldiers around Connacht, and it probably would have been more of a concentration in Ulster as well because of the uh, strong Protestant. Uh, nationality there. When was the settling? The plantations were in the seventeenth century. Really, is when when they look at it because this is when the penal laws start to come in as well okay. to protect the Protestants that are there. The penal laws right. come into full effect in sixteen ninety five, and that's when the beginning of the end. For us. <laughs> well, that's basically when the um, that's basically when the Protestant and the landed gentry have far more rights and far more chance to succeed in Ireland than anyone else and they do that the British do that because there's so few of them to put it in blunt terms like without those laws the pale and the areas that the Protestants had settled in would probably have gotten overrun by the numerically superior at least Catholic Catholic population Huzzah. Huzzah. So that is a good background context yeah. for us to go into what was happening in France. Yeah, so basically when, when we talk about the rebellion, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the one that's happening in Ireland with the United Irishmen. But what I really want to focus on right now is the interesting side story that Sean has. Aye. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's quite a good side story, especially because it involves my family. Now, it involves my mother's side of the family, so I don't know oh. if that still counts, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, the O'Reillys. Uh, Jules Terence O'Reilly was his name. Um, he was a United Irishman. He was a, from a wealthy family. They they were uh, tenants and land in Wicklow. And, um, yeah, so when the rebellion fell through Vinegar Hill, uh, being wealthy, he didn't just get exported to a faraway nation. He was, he was allowed to leave. So he had headed off to France. Mm-hmm. Um, in after the 1798 rebellion, yep. And uh, now I don't know the exact date, but from sometime in there, the founding of the Irish Legion, a legion of Irishmen designed to go fight in Ireland as Irishmen, uh, was founded. And Irishmen who were fleeing Ireland were given officers' positions within the Irish Legion. What's very interesting is. Jules Terence O'Reilly, I'm just going to call him Terence from now on. Terence uh, was very well spoken in French. like, And that's, you know, an educated yeah. Irishman mm. you know, very... fighting in, in for rebellion. Mm. And that's that really shows that, you know, the educated classes of Irish really didn't want to be a part of the British. At yeah. all. Like, <laughs> if you've got men who can go out, get a job and mm. have a living and own land... They're still fighting the British. It yeah. just shows the the attitude of the Irish towards it. Yeah. So the the Irish Legion, 
it was set up and designed to be seen as a liberator rather than an army. So yeah. if if it was a French French army led by Frenchmen invading Ireland, it would be seen as an invasion and the Irish would be equally yeah, irritated by French people trying to fight their battles. Yeah. And it it was seen that if a bunch of Irish men came over they would be far more willing to go join yeah. under the French banner. Mm. Now it was an Irish banner, it had a harp, it was all it was all grand. The design was to put all of the officers in place, but none of the line troopers. The line troopers were supposed to be trained by the officers when they got over to Ireland. Mm. So you had one battalion of soldiers, one battalion of officers, no foot soldiers. Uh they were stationed in Brest, uh uh as far as I, I just learnt, that's uh a boat building yeah, it is. yeah they, were, a, they were actually building yeah, boats there pretty so, major port for France um, the Irish Legion was stationed there and they were stationed there all the way up till 1805 uh, with the expectance of being able to go to Ireland mm. liberate their their land and their people yeah. um, unfortunately it never came through because uh, the French superiority on the seas never happened so mm. Uh, it's a shame, but it would have been a really nice story if that's how it ended. Instead, <laughs> it ends far more exciting. Well, I mean, far more exciting historically now. I mean, the yeah. other one would have also been exciting. This, <laughs> this is this is quite quite interesting. QI right there. Being a well French spoken Irishman, he gets to escort this French lady to uh, Venice or something, and uh, he he does it. And when he gets there, the general of the the lady he was escorting. Offers him a position as aide de camp, which is like, you know, advisor to a general. Mm. And he's he's just a measly lieutenant at the time. And it's like, <laughs> geez, that's that's quite a promotion right there. Yeah. Now, he turned it down because I think it was only 1804. And the opportunity to go to Ireland was still there. And yeah. he really, like, whatever yeah. the patriot. Yeah, well, that would have appealed to him. Go, yeah, it would have appealed to, to him go, more. Turned down the job, went back to the Irish Legion. Mm. Now, the Irish Legion got changed to Irish Regiment at that point in 1805. I'm, mm. I mean, I'm not 100% on the dates, but I know that they changed before 1807 because there's a major battle there. Yeah. So, 1805, they get changed to the regiment. They scrap the idea of invading Ireland and liberating the people. They that The whole ethos of what they were planned to do changes. They now yeah. become a fighting regiment. So, it becomes three battalions strong each containing about 600 men, and they're allowed to uh, recruit from the Polish, German, Dutch, Danish. Mm. Basically, everyone who isn't French is allowed to join this legion. Yeah. So 1st Battalion, highest concentration of Irishmen, Irish officers with foreign troops. Yeah. Now, the, the neutral language was French, but yeah. uh, in the actual historical records, you can see that it, it, the spoken language was Irish, German and Polish as the majority languages in that order in that order oh, that's that were being spoken wow. in the Irish re- regiment at this time yeah the second and third battalions of the Irish regiment were sent to Spain and the first battalion with the highest concentration of Irishmen was sent to Flesinga a small town just well it's a small port town uh, on the islands uh, running up to uh, Antwerp Antwerp All right. which is like this is mm. this is a, a pretty major port. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're they're in the city of Flesinga. Now this is 1807. This mm. is the the I don't know um, I don't know what the campaign is called for the British, but 
it's basically the British come with 41 ships, 40,000 troops, cannons, the like, like the whole army, basically. Yeah. Well, it feels like the whole army. <laughs> they Luckily, the English have an idiot for a general. So they actually, they do a ton of mistakes, which actually, it, it helps the Irish. The, the battle only lasts 30 days. I, I think it starts in... The, the 1st of August, that's right. The 1st of August, Which battle 1807. Is this? The Battle for Flushinga. Oh, okay. The British bombard the city with their, their boats, of course. The French units, I'm going to say French units because I'm not going to specifically point out the Irish. <laughs> the French units were deployed outside the city and were holding the French, uh, the British from coming into the city. So it, it was working quite well. The skirmishes were low-key. It wasn't any major battling. 13 days in, the British finally set up their heavy artillery guns and they start bombarding the city. Now, the French, all of the French regiments, yeah, except for the Irish battalion, were pulled back into the city. Now, I don't know. It seems rather dodgy, you know. <laughs> Are you trying to get all the Irishmen killed on purpose? Yeah. But the Irishmen hold their own. They survive bombardments. They survive skirmishes. They're out there for another three days hmm. after all the other French units have been pulled inside. Now, it wasn't like one giant pitched battle, because that would be insane if they were... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Three days. It was <laughs> it was lots of small, oh yeah, of small skirm- skirmishes and bombardments. Uh, now, Terence O'Reilly is in that battle. I just want to make a little side note. Of because, course, yeah, go uh, ahead. There's the Captain William Lawless. Captain William Lawless, amazing name. Like if you were going to have a captain, yeah. that's the captain you want. <laughs> He's above the law. <laughs> he he had just been promoted to the basically he was in charge of 1st Battalion I I think I don't know if that's captain or if that's general I don't know what it is he's basically just been promoted but he isn't at the battlefield when he receives this promotion so he's like oh no I gotta get there so he gets a rowboat 
like a rowboat. <laughs> he rows past the British blockade and gets to the Irish first battalion. Wow. That is like just a story like in itself <laughs> I think that could be a movie and you yeah. would, it would be amazing. Of course. Yeah. Um so 3 days later all of the French units are are pulled back and the French surrender. Mm. Now all of the guns on the walls are dismounted because because of the bombardment being so heavy and the uh, the actual arsenal itself nearly explodes. So, I mean, if you're a Frenchman, obviously that's... Don't blow up this city. Jeez, yeah. this isn't even our city. So they're like, <laughs> okay, you know what? We give up. Terence and Lawless were both wounded in that battle. They were wounded and taken to be treated. So uh, Lawless... It, it goes specifically into Lawless because he's a higher rank. Lawless was hit by a musket beneath his left eye, so it was lodged wow. probably in his jaw. Jeepers. Uh, yeah, so like that's that's a nasty... I can only imagine something similar for Terence, because he's he's a lieutenant, but it doesn't describe what his actual wound was, um, but it is probably not severe enough. So when the surrender is done, they're in the med tents being patched up by a doctor. Yeah. And the Irish... First battalions rounded up. They're all sent to prisoner of war camps. Frenchmen. They're all uh, put together, sent to prisoner of war camps. So that was that was the end of the first battalion. Those were the last Irishmen being in first battalion. After that, the actual percentage of Irishmen in the Irish regiment was very low because we'd lost most of them in the Battle of Flushinga. Now they not lost them in death, lost them to be prisoners. Yeah. Which is probably, you know, being a, treated as a prisoner might have actually have been better than being an actual Irishman living in Ireland at Well, the time. would it though? Because, yeah. <laughs> well, like, I mean, if I, I, after reading a bit about the rebellion, yeah. how when the French soldiers did land for the Republic of Connacht fiasco, um, when the when the French soldiers there eventually surrendered, they were interned, but the Irish soldiers were actually executed. So I was just wondering, do you know um, what uh, happened? They were treated as French soldiers. They were at the treated. Time. Oh yeah. well, that's good yeah. then. Okay. I mean, obviously, if you're an Irishman and you know how to speak French, yeah. and you're being taken away by yeah. the British. You speak French. You don't. You don't go. Oh, I'm, I'm actually Irish, by the way. If you, if you want to treat me differently, yeah. So um, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they're they're all gone, but Captain Lawless has the eagle of the regiment. So. That means the standard. The, reg- the standard, yeah, yeah, the Imperial Eagle. So he still has that, which means the regiment still exists. Yeah. This is it. So they're away in the medical bay. They're not. They don't get picked up. They don't get rounded up. Mm. They spend three weeks on Flushinga trying to get out. They attempt to get out on a food barge the first time, and they don't <laughs> get it out. Uh, the second time, they they get on a food barge again and they manage to get out this this is just like i don't know what the british were thinking like <laughs> obviously that it must have been a very low key campaign mm. that involved 40 ships and so 40, it is men. is just to set the scene is the city of flushinga is that like surrounded by water or something oh yes the uh, city of flushinga i'll actually i'll go into detail okay that good now. yeah the city of flushinga is is uh, low lying it's on an island it's walled city it's surrounded by bogs. The the major problem for the Irish regiment and the French regiments that were there was malaria. It oh, was right, yeah. really it was it was it was malaria. A lot of people, you know, they got really sick. Morale was low, so th- this battle it wasn't going to go well for for the French. Just yeah. just basically from that. But mm-hmm. its proximity to Antwerp, which was the major target for the British, 
if they could hold them up there, Antwerp would be fine. And that that campaign actually failed. It never took Antwerp. Ah, I see. So, Flissinga, I mean, as far as I know, I I only read that they that they hit they hit that speed bump of Flissinga and then didn't go on to take Antwerp. So, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, the French needed the time to get people around and, you know. Mm. Well, of course 30, they would 30 have. days is is enough time. To, of course, yeah. I mean, they were stuff. probably I like this is just me guessing here, but the fact that they took so long to win the battle and to win like that part of the campaign yeah, I mean, probably I th- saved Antwerp from the English taking it. There were only about 3,000 soldiers in Flissinga and the British came at them with 40, 40 ships and 40,000 soldiers. Wow. That sounds like a pretty big commitment to make. I mean, you don't really see, until the later parts of the campaign of the Napoleonic Wars themselves, you don't really see the British com- committing that many soldiers. So they, mu- they must have seen, I suppose, the fact that they wanted to go for Antwerp goes back to the loyalty they felt to the Dutch, which probably still yeah, was, I'm, was I'm, there. I'm sure. I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted because while I'm proud of my ancestor, yeah. I'm like, yes, do it. Yeah. I'm also like, ah, oh, you're fighting against the Dutch. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. No, but that's, that's um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it because he's a hero. Like, <laughs> I'm naming my firstborn child Terence or Jules if it's a girl because that's both of his names are yeah. Terence and Jules. <laughs> I win. Uh, yeah. So, um, Ancestry win. Yeah, ancestry win right there. <laughs> you have a girl's and a boy's name. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah so that was that was Flissinga. They managed to get back to the French lines. Uh, when they got back and they were like, hey, I'm the captain and I have the Imperial Eagle. They were like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Napoleon heard it and was like, okay, you guys are coming to me and I'm going to give you loads of rewards. They got the Legion of Honor. They got oh, the Legion yeah, of Honor, yeah. the highest... The, uh, the highest accolade you could get in the French army mm. they got uh, specifically engraved swords that wow. were they weren't actually combat swords they were you know presentation swords yeah um, and the banner was reworked so that uh, it would always have Flissinger written on it mm. because it was it was a defeat but it was because, a symbol of their spirit that yes, they were able to that, hold that it. they were able to hold it even though it was a defeat they were able to bring back the very eagle mm. of, of like this was like Symbolism was all important. Yeah, you of could, course. If you could clutch this out of the jaw of defeat, yeah, you're you're a hero. Yeah. So, the Irish regiment gets renamed the French Foreign Legion mm. at this point, and well, I mean, the Irish story continues because Jules Terence O'Reilly is just an absolute hero. <laughs> uh, so, the French Foreign Legion now uh, it's it's based in Quimper. Quimper is just a little bit south of Brest, I think it is. And they're they're being retrained because they need to replace first battalion. They they need to restock the two Spanish regiments or French Foreign Legion doesn't get used during the the campaign of Russia when the Napoleon gets his hiney kicked and he comes running back. He has some fresh regiments mm-hmm. still back in in France itself. So he gets the uh, French Foreign uh, Legion up to the front. They get. They get uh they get attacked obviously at the Boer River they retreat the an Irishman manages to keep the eagle alive again but <laughs> Captain William Lawless gets shot off his horse by a cannon wow I mean it doesn't go into detail with Terence but still oh my goodness <laughs> does he, he doesn't survive then presumably he does he does, he does. actually yeah he just doesn't a cannon I mean, hits him off his horse you know friend 
Irish Irish spirits. You can't kill him. You really can't. <laughs> he just cannot be killed. Like musket to the face and cannonball to the leg. Yeah. It's just very, very impressive. Wow. Oh, that reminds me. There's a really small detail, tiny detail. There was a in the changeover from uh French uh Irish regiment to French Foreign Legion, there was a Spanish officer who really ticked off the Irish because he was like, Oh, you Irish men are terrible. Uh. So uh, <laughs> paraphrasing, of course. Yeah, obviously, obviously. <laughs> like obviously it was a bit more along the lines of just a bit of lack of respect yeah. and, and um unfair treatment. Mm. So the Irishmen were refusing to, you know, yield. They were refusing to bring their sword and offer it to this guy. They were like, yeah. we're not working for you. Mm. This isn't happening. So he was getting all upset. He was he was putting Irish men into prison and saying, oh, these men are doing this. And then Jules Terence O'Reilly fights him in a duel, like one of those cool yeah. sword fight duels. Mm. He does that. And um, it's written now, it's written from a biased book, but it's written that... Uh, the, the Spanishman has to ask for a repose three times and uh, Terence allows him to stand back up. So uh, Terence O'Reilly, such a man of honour. I mean, <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to strike you while you're down. You, yeah. I'm going to let you fight until you give up on your own cord. Yeah. That's, I just, that's a, a small aside. It's mm. so, it's, uh, it's really cool. Though. Adds to I the mean, character of does. the man. He's such a, such a hero. Yeah. So, Napoleon abdicates, when's that? That is after... That is pretty much... I think it's 1814. That's the end of... Yeah. So that's the end of... So during that time, the uh, the French Foreign Legion was disbanded. Mm-hmm. Um, and the officers, like... The soldiers were still around. They were enlisted into different yeah. regiments. Uh, it, was, it was 90 days, wasn't it? 90 days when he returned. When he returned from uh, Elba? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm a bit hazy on the details uh, yeah, myself. I mean, okay, so he's uh, Jules Terence O'Reilly is marked as uh, a Napoleonic uh, officer, so mm-hmm. he receives half pay, yeah. and the rest of the the guys who are like, oh well, Napoleon was a moron anyway, they receive full pay. Uh, when, while, while Napoleon is gone, this is yes, yes, okay, because um, because they're trying to you know stamp out any yeah. Napoleonic favors that mm. the people have without ruining you know ruining the French army by getting of rid course, of all its yeah. generals. Um, so when Napoleon returns, uh, Terence is promoted to the aide-de-camp of the 101st. Now, I have no idea what the 101st do. <laughs> right? And I know the battle ends in defeat. Yeah. But he is aide-de-camp. His final, you know, the last place he managed to get to was advisor to a general on the 101st. Wow. That is like highly impressive for uh, like I don't know how old he was mm. um, we were thinking he was about 18 or 19 when he left Ireland yeah for a, a 30 30 year old man mm. of Ireland yeah to be an aide-de-camp mm. in, for the French it's yeah. just such a <laughs> like he managed to survive and stick around where like men like Lawless and other men they were wounded and taken away but mm. He got through the whole war. Yeah. Won all of these great, great accolades. Like, a sword that you can actually go see in the... Uh, yeah. If you go to the National History Museum, you can actually see the sword there. You can see the engraving. It's gold enamel on black, I think it is. Mm. 
It so, looks really cool. Yeah, so go and see it if you don't believe him. Yes. It's right and there. It's right there. It'll even say Jules Terence O'Reilly, born in Wicklow. There you go. <laughs> I was right. Yeah. I'm not making this up. So that's that's pretty much it. He, he retires. He has a uh, French soldier's pension. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty much the end of the story. Now, he stays in France. He never returns to Ireland, which is such a shame. Yeah. He he raises a family. He does all the good things you do in your later life if, as a soldier. Yes. Um, the family story was all over the shop. It was like, it was like, well, first of all, Napoleon, uh, the, the, the first story I heard was Napoleon surrendered his sword to one of our ancestors, <laughs> which like, you can see how, uh, some of, some of the older relatives probably, you know, were a little bit, pro-British and wanted, you know, nothing to do with the rebels and... Yeah. Because, like, the the division Terence left and the, the house was divided because it was pro and anti anti-British. Of course, so, yeah. As many families in Ireland would have yeah. been. Yeah. So the father was like, well, just leave it be. I'm Like, they're, they're not doing us any harm. And he was like, no, we need to be ruling ourselves. This isn't fair. So that's that, that's the kind of, you know, the, the story was rewritten and passed down through the generations so that when it reached me, it was Napoleon surrendered his sword to him. But it was really, when I, when I researched it, <laughs> yeah. it was Napoleon gave a sword as an honor for fighting for him. Mm. So, you know, completely the opposite of what, what I had learned as a child. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, and that's another thing. If you have a family story and it's like, Oh yeah, this guy did this. Look it up. <laughs> it's probably something completely different. Yeah. Like seriously, mm. uh, it's it, it's really good to get into your family history. Absolutely, it's really good. Mm. Okay, so thanks for joining me, Sean. This was a really really interesting episode. I really really like the stuff about your family. I could listen. I could literally listen to that all day. It's... Oh, and I could literally listen to my mum tell me the parts that I'm wrong at. I mean, see, <laughs> Which you, she already did. She did. She came in when, I'm, I'm sure it's edited out now, but she came in and was like, well, that's almost true. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> thanks, mum. Thanks, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Like, I keep going, oh, isn't that great that this is true? And then she's like, well, no, they actually t- got back to me on that and it's not true. What? What? So, uh, again, keep... Keep rooting out your family history, because yes, you you may believe something now, but it doesn't mean it's true. Mm. And I will go into for those of you scratching your heads and wondering what the hell I was just talking about. I will go into more detail once I have actual facts in front of me. Yeah, I mean, this was just an overview, really, just to let me say my bit. Yeah, and then I added <laughs> in. Yeah, what the main thing was Sean's bit, and yeah, then the rest was just kind of filler. It was just filler because they're, they're literally it's really boring between then and, and like, <laughs> well, actually, that's I true. it's probably it's true. my favorite really, part of the war. Really? Yeah, oh, the bit before actual war. Well, yeah, because I like to when see when diplomacy the, fails. When yeah. diplomacy fails. See, when I always find that the really boring part. Really. Yeah, I prefer oh. the actual beating the snot out of each other. Oh. See, when diplomacy failing, diplomacy failing, diplomacy fails when the peace of Amiens breaks down. So that's oh. why I like it so much. But there you go. So, so this has been diplomacy fails. My name is Zach. My name is Sean. We shall now take our leaves. Thanks.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.